I love this time of year for a couple different reasons. Obviously, because, you know, come on, guys, we get new socks and <laughs> T-shirts. Yeah, I, I'm not, I can't say undies from the pulpit. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very wrong. Um, but I, I, I love the weeks leading up to our celebration of Christmas. Um, now, maybe in your, in your faith tradition before you came to Life Point or denomination maybe you attended, uh, you know, people celebrate this season in a lot of different ways. Um, Advent is a celebration that happens the four weeks, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. Um, and a lot of different denominations, a lot of different faith traditions celebrate it differently. Some have an Advent calendar that you pull off every day leading up. Uh, some churches have an Advent candle that they light every week. Uh, let me tell you what it means in our context, okay? What, when Life Point says Advent, we're talking about, listen, we're not going to wait. We're not going to talk about when Jesus showed up for just one Sunday. We're going to spend four Sundays talking about the fact, the truth that Jesus came. Yes. And, and see, it's not just that he came. See, the, I'm going to give you three things that Advent is, and we'll talk about these each week. Because I, I want you to understand what, what Pastor Dwayne means when it says it's time to celebrate Advent, okay? It's not just, you know, Christmas Day and all of the fun that surrounds that. It's the first thing it is, it's the celebration of prophecy. Uh, because the Jewish people waited for their Messiah for 4,000 years. That's a long time. We get uncomfortable waiting for a new president for four years, <laughs> much less 4,000, right? I mean, I'm, uh, can you imagine the anticipation that, that must have been in their community waiting and waiting and waiting? Because when man showed up on this planet, we broke it. And because God and sinful man can't hang out and touch, man, the creator hadn't touched creation for 4,000 years. And how did the creator decide to touch the creation again as a baby in a manger? Can you imagine what that must have felt like for Mary to hold the creator of the universe in her arms and kiss his slimy little forehead? Imagine. Because, you know what, you can doubt that Jesus was virgin born, but she knew. So it's a celebration of the promise, of the prophecy, of the long-awaited uh, Jesus that showed up as a baby in a manger. I was, I was going through, uh, I, I have this little routine, I sit in my little chair in my office and I'm going through my sermon and my sweet daughter-in-law sent me a song called Arrival. I thought that was pretty appropriate. And so I started listening to the song and I started reading the lyrics. And it, it was just so poetic. And you ever see something and you go, man, I wish I had the words to say it like they said it. Uh, and and that's, I'm, as I'm watching the lyrics, I'm like, oh. That's so beautiful. That's so poetic. That's so genuine. And here was the line that stuck at me. Because the, the song's talking about how the creator steps inside of creation. And isn't that a beautiful thought, by the way? 
It said, the author climbed inside the page. Oh, wow. So Advent is a celebration that Jesus came as a celebration of prophecy, as a celebration of promise. And, it's, and the second thing is it's a celebration of presence. Because listen, Jesus is not in a manger in your nativity scene or your 12 nativity scenes that you have in your house. Jesus is here among us. Jesus is here among us. Jesus is here among us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So what Advent is, not just a celebration that he fulfilled the prophecy, but a celebration that he is here. And he is. In fact, nothing greater will happen to you this Christmas season than your acknowledgement that Jesus is here. So it's a celebration of prophecy. It's a celebration of presence, and it's a celebration of promise. We've been talking about it for the last several weeks. He's coming again. And just as those, uh, as the, the nation of Israel longed for his advent, we are longing for his return. So that's what Advent's all about. It's a celebration of of the prophecy that he fulfilled and the hundreds of prophecies that he fulfilled when he showed up as a baby in a manger and the creator was once again able to touch the creation. And it's a celebration of his presence that how many are you glad that that you don't have to be in a church building to understand his presence? You can be in your car, in your home, beside your bed with those tears flowing down your eyes that he is here among us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And that one day, Every knee will bow because he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's that's what Advent is. Um, Man, we've made it so much more, haven't we? Um, Many of you have Kelly Johnson's book, uh, Simple Faith. I I wish I'd have bent her ear a few months ago and said, you need to write one called Simple Christmas. (laughs) Let's just calm down. Right? Just, oh my goodness. We went went to Hobby Lobby Friday night. Don't do that. Yeah, my wife's in her element. I'm like, and and I don't know what's happened to people all of a sudden. It's like, are, are you the guy or the gal that, you know, you're okay giving somebody their space? Not at Hobby Lobby, because that stuff was 50% off. And so you're, you're stand, I'm standing here looking for the Georgia Bulldog ornaments. They didn't have any. What's wrong with people? And, and you know, the little lady's like, I'm like, do I know you? <laughs> We've made it so much more. And, and, and so what I want us to do over the next four Sundays is just calm down and just remember what this season really does represent. So every year that we do an Advent series, we talk about four things. And every year that we will, from this point on, we will talk about four things. Hope, love, joy, and peace. And let me tell you why we talk about that every year, or almost every year. Hope, love, joy, peace. Hope, love, joy, peace. 
If we can understand the hope of Christ, the love of Christ, the joy that only Christ can bring, and the peace that comes from knowing him. Listen, every other sermon that we preach supports those four things. If we can understand that, those four things, hope, love, joy, peace, hope, love, joy, peace. So today, we're going to talk about the arrival of hope. We could go ahead and leave because my wife preached my sermon. <laughs> she really did. I, I wanted to give you a good definition of the word hope because I don't like Webster's, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I'll, I want to give you, at the onset of our time together, a good definition for the word hope. And here it is. Um, I believe that hope is a confident expectation that God will be faithful to his word and that he is working out all things for his glory and my good. Yeah. Hope is a firm foundation for my life and a promise for my destiny. Hope is a confident expectation that God will be faithful to his word and that he is working all things out, working out all things for his glory and for my good. Hope is a firm foundation for my life and a promise for my destiny. So as I'm, I'm preparing this message, I'm, I, I, I just whisper a simple prayer. Lord, what, are, what do people hope for? What is, now I'm not talking about just the shallow hope. Um, I, I'm talking about in, in our lives, what are we really hoping for? And I believe the Lord gave me five things that all people hope for. In one manner or another, that there's these five things, and, and I, I I didn't give you space in your bulletin to write them down, but I really think you should find a way to write these down. The first one is significance. We want our lives to mean something. And, and I think that's true whether you're 15 or 115. I, I, I want my life to mean something. That's why Purpose Driven Life sold 8 bazillion copies. Because people want to know why we're here. People want to know, what, what, what on earth am I here for? What, is, what does all this mean? So we, we hope for significance. And we hope, secondly, we hope for security. I want to be okay, and I want the people I love to be okay. Let me, let me prove it to you. Have you ever, I want you to think about the person that is most important to you in the world. Remember the last time you had an argument with them? And then everything got fixed. Somebody asked this question, are we okay? You know why? Because that, those valued relationships you want to make sure are, are okay, are secure, right? So we long for significance, we hope for security, and we hope for stability. I'm going to tell you how I am, and I bet you're like me. I want a sense of order in my life. We are not wired for chaos, Right. Let me, let me ask you a question. When things get chaotic around you, how does that affect your anxiety level? When things are when, when your life is bouncing around like a pinballer, you're like, I'm so calm. No, we're not wired for that. We're wired for order. And, and I think that we're wired for stability. So we're hoping for significance. We're hoping for security. We hope for stability. We hope for satisfaction in my in our work, in our career, in our relationships, in our families, 
in our finances. We want and hope for satisfaction. And lastly, we hope for the stuff. I want to possess the things that I believe will make me happy. And you see, the stuff is different for many of us. You know, the stuff might be, you know, stuff stuff. It may be for you a relationship. It may be the ideal family. But you, there's, this, there's this picture of stuff that we all have that we hope for that we think, if I can just get that stuff, my, my joy will be complete. Well, we're going to talk about those things in a moment. I just want you to write those down, put them in your pocket for a second. Let me tell you what I'm not going to do today. Or during this entire series, I'm not going to bust on Hallmark movies. I got in great trouble for that last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. I will tell you what I'm going to bust on a little bit. Stupid Christmas commercials. I hate them. And, and hate's a strong word. I hate them. And, and let me tell you my, my stupid favorite. Favorite stupid. So there's this couple, and we don't know their, their boyfriend, girlfriend, married, engaged. We don't know. We don't know, but they're standing on a snow-covered mountain or snow-covered hill, and it's beautiful. It's obviously Christmas. And he says, I got something for you. And this little puppy runs up the hill, and she's like, oh, I got something for you, too. And a truck drives on crop this a GMC truck for no. <laughs> you know what you'd be hoping for then? A tow truck. <laughs> and I watch that commercial, and I think, that is the stupidest thing ever. You get, now listen, I'm a dog lover. Some of you are dog lovers. But listen, that's not a gift. That's a job. You, you've just sentenced this poor girl to 13 or 14 years of picking up after it and feeding it and taking it to the vet. That's a job. And she spent $70,000 on you a truck. That's not equal, y'all. And you tell me what family on the planet that comes as a surprise. Now listen, my wife loves me, and there is nothing more that she'd rather do than to take me up some snow-covered hill and have some F-150 Raptor show up. And here's the first thing that went on, would go on in my mind. She has lost her mind. There is no way we can afford that truck. She's lost it. See, but you know why they, you know why they do those things? You know why they create those stupid, stupid commercials? It's because they want to trigger the hope gene in your mind. They want to trigger that, that thought that, you know what? She just might show up with a brand new truck, with a boat. The, the one last year was he, he walks out and shows, and there's two brand new tr- vehicles, and she picks the wrong one. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's just not realistic. And see, we, so the, those types of images cause us to want to I don't know, place our hope in the stuff. And I'm going to tell you that the stuff will leave you hopeless. So today we're going to talk about hope. We're going to, I'm going to give you a few things that the hope of Christ is. First thing is the hope of Christ is a confident hope. 
Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope. Listen, that should be the whole sermon practically. That if you place your hope in anything but God, then you're going you're to come up short. That, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Anytime I've placed my hope in a thing, it always falls short. I bet there's been a time when some of you have placed your hope in your career and it, and it left you. Or you place your hope in a 401k and it, it disappeared. You placed your hope in somebody and somebody let you down. If I'm going to stake my life on something, if I'm going to stake my life on somebody, I better be confident in them. And, and I just want to start this by telling you that you can be confident in who Christ is. You can be confident in the work that he's done. You can be confident that he is everything and every one he said he was. And that the word of God declares him to be. You can be confident in the work that Christ has done for you. Yeah. So the hope of Christ is a confident hope. The hope of Christ is an expectant hope. In fact, here's your, here's your little Greek New Testament for the day. The word hope in the New Testament literally means confident expectation. Confident expectation. The hope of Christ is an expectant hope. Let's... Let's look at Psalm 33, verse 20. We wait in the hope of the Lord. Okay, that, that word wait is, is heavier than we think it is. Anybody got impatient with God? Has there ever been something you were praying for? And you're like, God, I know you want this for me, and I know I want it for me. Where is it at? You, you, ever, you ever had that moment where you're like, God, I, we, we, we just, we, we know we know what your promise says. We know what your word says. So hope is waiting on God's perfect time. We hope, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield in him. Our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. The dictionary says that Hope is the feeling that something desired may happen. L listen to me. That's not good enough for me. <laughs> is it going to rain? I hope not. <laughs> you going to get that promotion? hope so. Are you going to heaven? I hope to. It's not enough, y'all. See, I, I'm, I'm learning the older I get that the, the things uh, that this world want me to place my hope in, I can't be confident in. And I'm learning that I can't wait on them. And I'm learning that I, I, I don't have enough confidence to expect it to happen. It may happen. 
That desired thing may happen. It might happen. But I want you to listen to me. Is God working things out in your life? I confidently expect him to. Is there a difference? Does God hear you when you pray? I confidently expect that he does. Are you going to heaven? (laughs) When I breathe my last breath on this planet, I confidently expect to open my eyes in the presence of the Lord. Is there a difference? Is, Is the hope this world offers, is the hope that the dictionary offers a little different than the hope the Bible offers? It sure is. The hope of Christ is a confident hope. It's an expectant hope. The hope of Christ is a strong and stable hope. Hebrews 6 and 19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, into His presence. The hope of Christ is a firm foundation for my life and for yours. Listen, when all is well, I give thanks for his grace, for his mercy, and for his provision. But how many of you know that the hope of Christ extends beyond when all goes well? The hope of Christ is a bedrock you can stand on when calamity strikes. And see, I know enough of you well enough to know that there's been some calamity in your life. There's been some financial calamity. There's been some relational calamity. There's been some mental calamity. There's been those moments when things just did not work out well for you. It's in those moments when you understand that sometimes things don't go as planned. Sickness happens. Finance happens. Relationships happen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. See, aren't you thankful that because the God that you serve goes far beyond the toils and the tears and the difficulties of this life, His grace and mercy and provision covers you in those moments of calamity. Does that mean everything's always going to work out like you want it to? Nope. Sure doesn't. Here's what it does mean. That you can confidently expect the God that you serve to walk through them with you. The hope of Christ is a confident hope. It's an expectant hope. It's a strong and stable hope. And the hope of Christ is a living hope. Um, You all remember Easter, right? Listen, I love Christmas. Everybody was born. There's only one that rose from the dead. His name's Jesus. And he's alive. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The reason you have a confident, expectant, alive hope today is not because you're good. It's because the one to whom purchased you is good. Because he gave his life for you, you have a living hope. Why is that important? Hope in a resurrected Jesus helps make the unanswerable questions of life tolerable. See, I, I, I bet you have some. I bet you have some questions of, God, why did it work out like this? I, I bet you've pointed your finger at heaven and said, God, if you're so good, why? God, if you're in control of my life, why this sharp turn that I don't understand? And it's not enough to just chalk it up to happenstance and circumstance and bad luck. I'm not okay with that. I mean, can you, can you sleep at night with that? No. It's re- no. So there has to be something bigger. There has to be something more. There has to be a a greater plan than you can see, that I can see with my own eyes. There has to be something more than the calamity of life. Everybody in this room, I bet, has stood at a casket of someone you love and asked, why? See, I, I wouldn't be okay with those unanswerable moments. If that was the end of the question. See, uh, when we trust a living hope, we know that this, this is not all there is. That the difficulties, the trials of this life, even though we might not understand the plan, when we trust a living hope, we believe that there is a plan. And that God knows full well what he's doing. And even though I don't understand it, guess what? That might not be my privilege to understand it because I'm not God. And aren't you glad? But I trust Jesus. And I trust His plan. Even when I don't understand it. So what does that mean? Maybe on this Sunday morning you've walked into this room in a time of need. A time of crisis. A time of calamity. Maybe a time that my wife said it well. Maybe a time that appears hopeless. Only God can reach into the hopelessness of crisis and say hope has arrived. Only God can reach into the hopelessness of a dead, dying marriage and say hope has arrived. Only God. Only God can reach into disease and sickness and say hope has arrived. Only God can reach into the hopelessness of addiction and say hope's arrived. He's here, y'all. He's among us. And whatever 
whatever unanswerable question you have in your life, whatever, whatever trial, whatever, oh, what's the right word? What, oh, what, I, I don't want to use the word that's in my head. Whatever thing in your life that just sucks. <laughs> understand that God's in the middle of that. Because you've placed your hope and faith and trust. And just because you're, you're walking through a season where you don't see his hand, please trust his heart. Because he knows where you're at. And more importantly, he knows where you're going. And he's faithful enough to get you there. So I want us to leave here with a hope-filled life. Not just hopeful, but hope-filled so I'm going to give you a few things to leave here with. The first way you're going to have, you, I'm going to have a hope-filled life is to, first of all, redefine hope. L- let me tell you what hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. Ho- hope is not based on happenstance and circumstance. Hope is not based on what may happen. Hope is never dictated by your circumstance. Hear that. Well, I lost my job, so hope is gone. If you'd placed your hope in your job, in your employer, then that would be a problem. But that's not, that, we, we're redefining hope this morning. Our hope is not in, in, our, in our career, in our job. In, we'll talk about some more of those in a minute. It's a confident expectation. Can I give you an example? So I hope that many of you um, took this illuminate word seriously this year. I hope that many of you did. Because, by the way, you're going to need it for where we're going in 2023. My confident expectation is that if Jesus told me to talk to you about it, that it was for some of you. And that if Jesus told me, my confident expectation is that some of you, I know not all of you because I'm a realist also, but that some of you thought, I got to do that in my life. I got to let the word of God light my path like it never has before. So my, I, I'm not, well, maybe they did. No, I am confidently expectant that some of you did. Does, are you getting the difference? And oh, by the way, it's not too late. We still got a little bit left. We're going to keep that sign up there just a couple more weeks. Once the sun comes down, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's mean. So number one, we we redefine hope. Number two, we'll stop hoping for something. You know why? Because things are temporary. Remember when you got your iPhone 4? How excited you were? Yep. You probably got one in your drawer that you let, you know, kids play with. Maybe you've placed your hope in your career. Maybe you've placed your hope in your education. Maybe you've placed it in your marriage. Listen, I adore her, and I have confidence in her, but my hope is not in my wife. My hope is in the God that put us together. Does that make sense? It's not my career. It's not my education. It's not my marriage. It's not my health. How many have had your health let you down? And if you put your hope in your health, guess what? Sooner or later, my hope's not in the government. 
Don't say any more words. Don't say any more words. Don't say any more words. My hope's not in my retirement account. My hope's not in my friends. My hope's not even in my family. I don't put my hope in things. I don't put my hope in people whose name aren't Jesus. <laughs> and then thirdly, you place your hope in someone. Come on, somebody say his name. So let's look back at those five things we hope for. Donna's going to come play. What's this? How did I know that? Those five things. Huh. And see how the hope of Christ, when we place our hope in Christ, significance. Huh. I remember a time when I, I felt like my life didn't have any meaning. I, I remember being a teenage kid and, and wondering what I was going to do with my life. I, my dad wanted me to go to college. I didn't really want to go. I, I, I just I didn't know what I was going to do. And Christ gave me significance. Christ put my feet on a path. And I'm going to tell you that when you put your hope in Christ, he'll make your life matter. doesn't mean he's going to put you on a stage and put your name in lights. But I, I, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You put your hope in Christ and you'll start following him. Your life will matter to somebody that I'm trying to, I, I want to say this right, y'all. You know, I, I look at, I look at uh, the way our culture is. And, you know, everybody wants to, to get the, uh, the blue check on Twitter because that means you're important. Everybody wants to have, you know, all the followers and this great platform. And I, I'm going to tell you the significance that God's called you to might not be to the thousands. It might be to the one. And if you'll put your hope and trust in him, he'll make your life matter. I believe that with everything in me. And security. We said security. <laughs> Listen, there is no security like the solid rock of Christ. We said stability. We wanted a sense of order. How many know that God makes the crooked places straight? And satisfaction. I, I think the right word is contentment. And I never found contentment until I found it in Christ. And then stuff. <laughs> See, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that if you follow Christ, you'll get all the stuff. I will tell you with confidence that if you place your hope and trust and life on the rock of Christ, He'll give you the joy that you are wanting the stuff to bring. Did that make sense? The stuff that you think, the, the, the joy you think the stuff will bring will leave you. The joy that Christ brings is forever. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. I want you to bow your heads with me. So here's how I want us to end this, this service, this time together today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Dwayne, I'm, I've been disappointed because I've placed my hope in stuff. I've placed my hope in money, in careers, in all the futile trappings of this world. Today I want to place my hope in Christ. Or maybe... 
you're here and you say, Dwayne, my situation appears hopeless. And I don't know if that means a financial situation. I don't know if that means a relational situation. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I, I do want to tell you that I, I believe that Christ, if you'll let him, will say those words, hope has arrived. If you'll invite him into the middle of your circumstance, listen to God and do what he says. If you'll invite him into the middle of your calamity, into your problem, if you'll invite him into the middle of that, and follow his leading, I believe today could be a game changer for you. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that only is found in the person of Christ Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive us. Replacing our hope in the things, in the stuff. Replacing our hope in things that may happen. So today, we recognize that our hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Listen, y'all, with, with nobody looking around, I, I, don't, I don't do this often. I don't know who this is for. But here's just what I sensed in my heart as I was just beginning that time of prayer. Because I've been where you're at and heard a preacher talk about how good God was and how much he could help. And how he, he could change circumstances and he could change seasons. And I remember sitting in a chair just like you're sitting and thinking, maybe for somebody else. I need you to hear my heart this morning. The promise that hope has arrived is for you. And there's not, there's not a circumstance that you're walking through that appears so hopeless that he can't heal. I need you to know that. And I say that to you with confident expectation that if you'll lean on the loving arms of Christ, does that mean he's going to mail you a check today if, 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 it's a, if, if it's a financial need? Does that mean that all of a sudden you're going to go home and, and you and your wife are going to get along like honeymooners? No, that's not what that means. It does mean, if you've been paying attention this year, that he'll be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And he'll, he'll guide you step by step by step by step. And you'll find yourself leaning on the hope 
that is real and stable and secure and not something that's going to leave you wanting more. So I don't know who that was. I don't know who that's for. But you're, you're convinced that this is true for somebody else. And I'm going to tell you that this is you. This is you. This is your stuff. That if the hope of Christ doesn't work for everybody, it doesn't work for anybody. So I'm going to pray, and then Donna's going to sing, and we're going to dismiss. I'm not going to embarrass you. wouldn't do that. But when I pray, listen to me. I challenge you to invite Christ in the middle of your stuff, in the middle of whatever you're walking through. Some of you battling stuff in your mind. I get it. I'm going to tell you that you can find hope inside that anxiety and inside that depression. I'm telling you, you can find hope there. And listen, the hope that finds you there will lead you out. So I'm going to pray. Donna's going to sing. And in the midst of this, here's my challenge to you that you call on the name of Jesus and his hope. And listen, he's not expecting some fancy theological prayer. Maybe Maybe this is all you need. Jesus, I need help. We need help. So I'm going to challenge you to pray just like that in this moment. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I I sense your presence so real. I believe that you're doing a work in lives and people, families. So thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you're whispering those words to me, to many of us in this room, that hope is here. Thank you that it's okay, that we're not okay. But God, thank you that you love us way too much to leave us like you find us. So as we surrender our hope and we surrender our life to the only one that can do something about it. Take over. We surrender. Our lives are in your hands. In Jesus' name. Would you worship just for a moment? Donna's going to sing.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the hope that is only found in Christ. And we celebrate him this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, would you offer the Lord praise? Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great afternoon.